Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hi there, I'm Tim, and welcome back to Sex and Space, here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. I hope everyone out there is doing just great. This is episode 25, halfway to 50, baby. Whether you're a fresh-faced, wide-eyed, first-time listener joining us on this mission, a gnarled and experienced traveller of our interdimensional cosmic adventures, or a super-intelligent AI listening to this in the distant future, it's nice to have you with us. To those tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform, we sincerely thank you for joining us. Remember to show your support by liking, rating, and subscribing. You can also find more great Sex and Space content over on TikTok, Instagram, and maybe threads sometime soon in the future. Just search for us using our handle, sexinspace.com. That's sexinspace, D-O-T-C-O-M. We genuinely love hearing from our listeners and engaging with our community. Your feedback means the world to us. We're all on this journey together, so please feel free to reach out any way you like. Now let's dive into an incredible interview. Our very own Jane Charrington had the pleasure of sitting down in person with Suzanne Werder, a nurse practitioner from the New Zealand Sexual Health Society. With an impressive 29 years of experience in the field of sexual health, working within Aotearoa's unique and diverse society, Suzanne has had a career serving individuals of all ages and backgrounds on such things as sexual disease prevention and education to promoting sexual well-being and wellness. Let's dive in. Today, I'm very excited because we have Suzanne with us. Suzanne Wilder is coming to us from the Sexual Health Society in New Zealand. Yes. And um, she's also a long friend. Um, a long friend. She's a short friend, actually. <laughs> I'm a very short friend. <laughs> <laughs> she's a long-time friend as well. And what I'm excited about today is um, that you bring both the professional experience of working in sexual health for 29 years mm. and um, you've raised two children yeah. and educated them about sex and sexuality. Mm. So you bring that private, sort of personal, professional like a lot of the time it's theory and yeah. you've lived it yeah so I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation yeah so I'm speaking from the sexual health society not because I can't speak from the DHB great Good. so um excellent I feel um very honored that you're here with us thank you and excited because I think a lot of the time for people listening yeah. um that they're looking for ideas about how they can navigate so um, let's start with what is your role? Can, can you define it yeah. for us? So, um, so I'm a nurse and I've been a nurse since 94 and my whole nursing career I've been working within the sexual health field with a little bit of work within sort of youth and youth justice during mm-hmm. a period of time to kind of get a little bit more different experience and widen my skills um, and 
during that time I've done general sexual health nursing I have evolved to now that I'm a nurse practitioner which can means that I can provide more care to the populations that I serve as a nurse and and those populations include basically the general populace that may have some sexual health issues and as a nurse we're coming from a disease perspective mm. but or and um, mm. as a nurse it's working under Te Whare Tapiwha model which is a New Zealand model or Aotearoa model of Māori health it's it's an it's an inclusive model that um, touches on all aspects of health the physical the psychological the spiritual the community mm. and it's it's on a it's based on a marae meeting house style would be another great topic mm. for your podcast it on would. its own um, so it takes it out of the illness space it acknowledges the illness space but also the other space within it that yeah. we're looking from a wellness perspective yeah. you know what do we need to sort so you can feel happy and um, free of concern what preventative things can we do and that can empower you to feel more okay about yourself so what about um, with the uh, if we look to adults who never got sex educated and, yeah. and who struggle with their sexual well-being yeah um, what, what, how do you support people what advice do you give for people who feel like they need help but they just don't know how to start well there's this great podcast called Sex and Space <laughs> thanks Doc <laughs> which you know is um, it's great you know the sex therapists on there like slowing things down mm. talking things through and you know so reaching out, working out ways that you can educate yourself, normalise the lack of knowledge that we have right. because and because people don't know. Um, and if we haven't had these conversations, then how would we know? Yeah. And so like normalising that it is more normal not to be having these conversations and mm. having them. I wish it was the other way around. Um, mm. And... Um, educating, educating yourself as much as you can, using podcasts, using books, using Libby from the library, you know, use, right. you know, there's lots of ways of doing that. And maybe having a brave conversation with a trusted friend. Um, right. And, or a health professional, mm -hmm. you know, I have, within my work life, I have conversations with people about, you know, what's normal and what are normal expectations, mm -hmm. so, you know. I've recently had conversations around comparing what what is sex in the real world compared to sex in a porn mm -hmm. movie. So, you know, one and a half minutes of right. sexual in and out is generally quite enough. Um, but the 45 minutes that you might watch in a porn movie is not really realistic that is drug induced mm. and there's a lot of skill that's going into that and possibly not that much fun yeah and also that kind of focus on that you know the heteronormative penetrative oh, sex yeah, as yeah. sex right it's it might be a minute and a half of that bit but i feel like people are so out of touch 
with pleasure and their bodies when what's considered erotic or erogenous is reduced to this area when in fact the you know your whole body can be an well, erogenous it, well the, the skin is the biggest sexual organ of the body there you go yeah so it's it's like and and literally it's just this like you're saying a heteronormative missionary understanding of what sex is and it's really sad and disappointing and if that's the perception that someone mm-hmm. has then we need to widen that yeah. and you generally widen it through education and that might be really good quality porn mm-hmm. but that's porn that people would have to pay for um, yeah ethical <laughs> yeah ethical quality and um, so you know podcasts books yeah and conversation but also yeah. normalising things like um, you know there's um, a piece that Toshi's working on one of the team at the moment um, which came up because we talked to a great sex worker she was brilliant and um, she said men can have orgasms without erections and without ejaculation. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, yes, of course. But I suddenly said to Toshi, well, yes, of course, but we should actually kind of put this out there because for a lot of people, they don't know that. Yeah. And that's part of older sexual health yeah. a lot of the time. And it's, and it's that kind of, you know, the term that comes to mind is the money shot. It's right. all about the money shot, yeah. which is the orgasm ejaculation. Mm-hmm. And that is like a moment that is not realistic for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that the pleasure is not there for right. everybody. So it, it's, it's, it's a very binary way of looking at things if you're just focusing on that. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about condoms yesterday and, and this dreadful move to suggest that women are responsible for putting them on in a way that's sexy. It's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I don't want to learn to put a condom on with my mouth yeah. sexily. You learn how to put it on sexily. You know your way around these things yeah. better than me. And and the thing is, you can put them on with your mouth, but you need to make sure you're not wearing lipstick. You need to make sure you don't catch them with your teeth and all that sort of thing. Oh, why not Be- lipstick? Because the, the latex mm. is weakened by the oil in lipstick. There you go. So um, if it's your thing, that's that's fun. But one of the best ways that you can practice using condoms is like without an audience. So if you're having a wank, use a condom, condom, practice Mm -hmm. putting it on. Make sure you're putting it on the right way. Mm -hmm. Make sure you can do it easily. Make sure you feel confident that you can maintain an erection and have an ejaculation and you know that it works without the anxiety of, you know, an audience. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Yeah. One of the things about condoms being ex- expensive is that condoms are funded. So if you right. go to a sexual health clinic um, and you can find out where they are around the country by looking up the New Zealand Sexual Health Society mm-hmm. or family planning, you can get a prescription for condoms for, or they give them out to you for free. Um, which is great. That is great. So that's a New really, Zealand thing, right? That's a New Zealand mm. thing, yeah. But it's good checking in any country what's available. Completely. It's really worthwhile. And it's really worthwhile, you know, Googling where your free sexual health services are around mm. the place. All over the world, there's often some services for free. For parents particularly listening, how 
would you advise parents to think about approaching their kids' sex education today? Yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting question because I had a girlfriend um, who called me up when her kids were teenagers and said, hey, I thought you could maybe have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and The conversation. Yeah, and oh. it's, it's not a conversation. No. It is a million moments mm. and um, times around... Um, using the correct words for our bits and um, you know you wipe your vulva and you you know I can remember years ago into the vagina monologues and having a little tantrum because (laughs) when they wanted to sing the cunty cunty song I was like I'm so sorry You've been talking about the vagina monologues, but actually you've been talking about vulvas. Right. How can we get it so wrong at so many levels? It's amazing. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, when you're changing a nappy, I'm just going to wipe your vulva. Yeah. It's not, it's not a bad word. It's, no. it's, it's like your earlobe. Yes. Um, and that acknowledging genitalia and... Um, from a very kind of basic level, we talk about, you know, show me your hands, show me your nose, why don't we use the right words for penises and scrotums? Mm. Um, and and that's, all the research around that has shown that that is a protective for children and for adults to actually be able to name. It does, and yet the response you get um, from online trolls when you suggest that children should be taught these things is pretty vitriolic I know and I don't understand where that comes from Um, it sounds through the commentary like the naming um, feels like to them a gateway to becoming sexually active which is so interesting because actually it's just talking about a part of the body Mm. and sex education is not about being sexually active it's around education around your sexual organs Mm. you know please don't wash with soap because Mm. that skin is really precious wash with water not too hot you don't need to rub it dry Mm. it's a patting dry area all these aspects are part of our sex education Mm -hmm. around how do we look after ourselves Um, so I think it's all those those tiny aspects you know thinking about the conversations I've had with the kids over the years how to Physically and um, physically, physically look after their mm-hmm. genitals, and then around when they're in relationships, being upfront around how you're, you know, if you're having sex, talking about consent, mm-hmm. being a um, it's not a yes or no kind of situation. It's it's um, it's it's an enthusiastic yes is what you're looking for. Yes. So not a timid okay. So like having you know you want to both be enthusiastic about it, and so having those conversations around consent, having those conversations around STI testing Hmm. or sexually transmitted testing so that you keep yourself and your partner safe. It's such an easy, simple way to show respect. Um, And then if it's a heterosexual relationship, what are you thinking about contraception? And contraception being a partnership. 
So, yeah. and, you know, one of the conversations I have with a lot of my clients over the years is that if um, whoever's doing the lion's share of the, the contraception, the other person should definitely be paying for it. Right. So if a woman, cis woman, is, is taking an oral contraceptive pill, they should not be paying for that doctor's appointment. Their partner, that wouldn't that be an easy way to share the load? And to feel connected. Yeah, it's like mm. part of it. It's a sharing the load. Yeah. yeah. And yet, back to that shame issue, you know, um, so much of that side of it is kind of done behind the scenes, right? Yeah, so yeah. much easier to have sex and talk about it. Like yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very much wanting to avert your eyes kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and back to the vocabulary, having the words to use yeah. is the start point for parents, right? Yeah. And then for the kids themselves, being able to name their own body parts Yeah. and to describe how they feel rather than down there. Yeah. You know, that's um, even in terms of wellness. If if I hurt myself, if something's not right, yeah, to be able to say where it's not right, yeah, and and the um, like removing the fuckamar from that area or the shame from that area, because we're able to use the right names. It's it stops it being hidden behind yes. layers and layers of of um, words that we have to unpick to work out what they are. So for those parents who didn't have micro-conversations like your friend who yeah. called you <laughs> said, help. So when you're fighting a rearguard action, because I notice a lot of people I talk to, um, and often it's women, yeah. um, who are taking the responsibility for having the conversation mm. even, yeah. um, and they will say things like, oh, um, he, he just can't do it. And they're well-educated. Yeah. They're sexually active. Yeah. They consider themselves... Um, pretty liberal, yeah. and yet they can't talk to their kids about sex. Where do they start? Gosh, it's it's tricky, isn't it? I think mm. by um, pos I, you know, my poor children have had conversations all the way through. So I suppose if you haven't started by saying, I feel a bit uncomfortable about this, but I actually think this is something that we should both feel uncomfortable or comfortable with together. Like acknowledging, if you pretend that you yeah. are comfortable with something that you're not, you know, and young people are fantastic at picking up the micro messages that yeah. we give. So if you feel awkward, say, look, I feel awkward. And this conversation is really important. And this is want to be the first of many conversations. That's a great start. Yeah. And um, one of the pieces of research I read recently I thought was interesting. Um, we're working on a, a book on how to talk to your kids about porn at the moment. Oh, yeah. And actually porn for teenagers is a great starting place because yes. it makes it about sex and sexuality in an important conversation yeah. but not about them. Yeah. And they respond with quite a lot of voice to that, whereas yeah. talking about me and sex... You know, yeah. is really tricky. But what do you think about porn? Oh, I think lots of things. But I just want to go back to one thing before mm. that. Actually, giving information for someone that might be useful for somebody else, it's is is a really good way to talk to people. So if you're talking to your child, it's like this might not be relevant for you, but for one of your friends, this might be relevant. Like right. using nice. that mm -hmm. that that um, opportunity to have a conversation without the spotlight being on the young mm. person can be really useful. 
That's a great technique. Yeah, and I, I use that clinically as well, mm-hmm. just as in this might not be relevant for you, but for your mates, you might really be able to have their back if you know this. That's cool. Yeah. Um, porn. I have so much I think about porn. I the question was, um, I was offering it as a parent speaking to a child to, to open a space. Yes, yeah, I think it's kid, great. What do you think about porn? Yeah. But yes, what yeah. do you think about oh, porn? <laughs> yeah, and because and there's so much bad porn. Yeah. And we don't have the skills to critique it mm. as well. Mm. And um, but but also yeah, saying to, to young people, you know, what do you think about porn? You know, there seems to be quite the range. And I've read an article yeah. on it. It's always you know if you can just distance it and yeah. to try and get that. Um, and porn is a really good jumping off perspective um, point for people because. Um, you can talk about um, the reality of uh, sex and intimacy and kind of the, the actual physical act of sex, which is kind of only just part of sex, which mm. is only just part of intimacy. And porn is sometimes, particularly poor porn, um, it's just about the physical act of sex so it can be a good start point for those conversations around that is a a component of but not all Um, and the kind of the bar that's set by porn I think is really unrealistic for people you know the the size of the genitalia the the makeup that is used to intensify aspects, the duration, the, um, the, the, the highs of the orgasm, uh, it's all very, very plus one Hollywood mm. kind of style. It's like action movies though, right? It's not meant to be real. Oh, it's it's, it's like The Fast and the Furious. There you go, yes. <laughs> it's gone from, you know, yeah. whichever version was the first one and now they're having nuclear explosions or something apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think there's, what, ten? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> my son watched them all back to back the other weekend. With my son? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it must have been with him. Excellent. Nice one, lads. But um, but that's a really good um, analogy. We wouldn't send our kids out to um, drive without giving them a sense of how a car worked, driving lessons, you know, making sure that we gave them a, a bit of a view on traffic. Yeah. And yet, uh, you know, I, the friends I'm talking about don't feel the same way about sex, sexuality, porn, um, enough to want to get in there because they don't have a roadmap themselves. Yeah. And so 29 years is a a reasonable amount of time to be in the field. Yeah. What would you say you've seen are the biggest changes over that time in terms of sex education itself as a discipline? Oh, that has changed beautifully. So, yeah. So there, oh, back in the day, I can remember (laughs) um, being given cards with these pictures of diseased genitals and discharges and it's like you know this is what gonorrhea looks like and this is what chlamydia looks like and it was kind of really scary Um, and now it's moved on to these are bacteria and viruses that can 
travel with something that is very, very human, which is sexual connection. So what right. do we need to do to limit the traveling of these infections um, when people are doing something normal and human? So right. that's, you know, that's prevention methods like condoms and um, pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV, which prevents mm -hmm. the transmission of that. So, so you know, I do, um, when I do education, it's like, you know, they say, well, what's the most common presentation of chlamydia? And I say, well, it looks something like this. <laughs> because it just, because it, it looks just yeah. like, yeah, most of these infections have no symptoms at all. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, with gonorrhea, you can get a nasty discharge. Um, but that's only if it's in the urethra, mm -hmm. um, not if it's in the throat or in the bottom. Right. So, yeah, pictures are irrelevant. So it's, I think the education has really improved. And so the rates of um, syphilis have increased. Have rates of STIs increased? They're kind of um, at a relatively stable level. Um, there, in 2021, I think the ESR, which is the Environmental Science and Research Department, um, published an article saying that there was a bit of a decrease in um, gonorrhea and chlamydia rates, you know, slightly decrease. But that wasn't amongst Māori and Pacific populations. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, a bit of an indication of where health services are not actually meeting the right. needs of Māori and Pacific populations, not necessarily that they're doing anything different. Right. So I have a little bit of hope in my heart um, that the changes to the health services may provide some improvement, but it's not going to be tomorrow. Mm. And what about with young people? Are rates increasing in the youth community? Youth is really interesting because yeah. like, people with hair my colour are really good at bagging youth. Mm. And the Youth 2000 series, which is a longitudinal study um, that's been historically run out of Auckland University, I'm not sure where it's run now, um, interviews students at high school level around the country mm -hmm. and it's a really in-depth piece mm -hmm. of research. And what that's shown over the last two cycles is that the age of sexual debut, which is when they're first having sex, is um, getting higher. Mm -hmm. So people are having sex a little bit later. Um, people were more likely to be using condoms when or some contraception um, and less likely to be smoking and using alcohol. So it's those young people today are much better than young people of my day in mm. lots of ways and so but alongside that we need to make sure we've got the services there to support the people who are having sex at a younger age because mm -hmm. they are more vulnerable than somebody at a slightly older age more tricky to navigate health services more tricky to ask for help yeah that's interesting we seem to be bucking a trend in that case because globally condom use with younger people is becoming a problem, apparently. Yeah, well, it, it's, it is absolutely becoming a problem um, and or a thing with the um, with men who have sex with men with uh, 
pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV, there, there has definitely been a decline in condom use internationally, and that's been mirrored within New Zealand as well. Right. So, and I would have to go back and double check those stats, but that was my understanding from the last Look, I think probably one of the things to focus on in another episode is the fact that research and statistics, you know, that you can find <laughs> oh. numbers to support every argument out there. It depends yeah, absolutely. who did the research, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there does seem to be um, an issue around um, how enthusiastic people are to use condoms um, yeah. still, and um, it's something to promote in terms of, as you say, a, a, a method of prevention of transmission. Yeah, and all the way we promote condoms and how we support people in learning how to use them and um, that, you know, that condoms are a gateway to a great deal of fun um, as opposed to condoms being a protective thing. It's like a seat belt and all that sort of thing. Right. It's like you can have stress-free fun. Right. Lower risk. That's of, a nice framing. Do, do you know what I mean? It's so lovely. it's like because it's what they ideally, and we're talking about the positive aspects of yeah. sexual connection. Ideally, when people are having sex, it's for the fun of it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about how we can make it fun, stress-free. You know, if you want to make it exciting, do it outside, but use a condom. <laughs> so <laughs> that's brilliant, yeah. and that sex-positive attitude mm. to. Um, how you educate. Is that reasonably recent in the discipline as well? I, it's really tricky because we all take ourselves into our professional bodies. Right. And um, we, we are moving in a more sex positive way, you know, about um, you know, normalising sex, normalising um, the pleasure and the joy, and it should be fun. But every clinician who is working in that area may have different views right. or attitudes and things like that. But I think absolutely in general, it is, um, if you're working in this area, it is about being positive around sex. So... Um it's been amazing talking to you um, as a kind of parting shot from your end for the parents out there trembling at the thought of sex educating their children um, what would be your kind of start young yes learn the language of the body but any other kind of top tips for them in Te Tapifa, which is this model sex and sexuality and spirituality sit in the same corner of the whare mm -hmm. Who we are as sexual beings is really, really important to who we are as beings. So if we can educate ourselves and feel strong in that, I think that that actually raises up our spirit. Mm. And anything as a parent that helps to strengthen the spirit of the next generation is really powerful. Mm. So if some of that is as simple as allowing a person to own their own body, to acknowledge that their own body can give them pleasure and joy and can also be a way of giving pleasure and joy to other people with their consent mm -hmm. later on is a really, really important thing. So I think mm. thinking about you know, it being a, an important part of resilience and the spirit of a person, yeah. That's quite beautiful, thank you. Yeah, very cool. Thank okay, you. parents. Good luck out there. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so Thank much. Thank you.
really hope you enjoyed that one. You can check out the New Zealand Sexual Health Society on www.nzshs.org. Before we sign off, we want to remind you to check out our book, available at sexandspace.com forward slash book, or simply search for The Organ Education Forgot on Amazon. Don't forget to leave a like, follow, comment or review wherever you're tuning in from. Your support means the world to us. Until the next time, safe travels and see you on the next episode.